0: conference realignment is impacting nearly every single conference in america could the wcc get themselves involved by making a pitch to stanford and cal's non-football programs let's discuss you are locked on zags your daily podcast on the gonzaga bulldogs part of the locked on podcast network your team every day What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every single time they win during the regular season. To do so, just go to fanduel.com slash locked on. We've got a pair of grad transfer guards to discuss. Yes, the transfer portal still going on. Two players recently out and available who the Zags could pursue. We're also going to hear once again from Noah Bono, the host of the Gimme Timmy podcast. He had some thoughts about Drew Timmy's lack of attention from NBA scouts throughout that process. We're going to hear from him on that to close out the show. But first, we're going to answer a question that has been submitted as a mailbag question by multiple different people. I did not do mailbag this week. I'm hoping to bring it back for next week, but wanted to get this question addressed as things are rapidly moving in the conference realignment space. And this question was asked by Christian and I believe a handful of other people asked this question as well as apologize for not keeping track of who all asked it. But the question was effectively, is there any chance that the WCC could convince Cal and Stanford to go independent in football and house the rest of their sports in the WCC. And there is significant appeal to doing so. Stanford, top to bottom, is one of the most prolific athletic programs in the entire country. They don't get very much attention because their football program hasn't been very good really since Andrew Luck was the quarterback. They haven't been bowl eligible since I think 2018. Cal hasn't made a bowl game since 2019. They are not good at football. They are spectacularly bad at basketball. I think that program is on the upswing after hiring coach Mark Madsen. I think Stanford has the potential to turn things around from a men's basketball perspective as well. But both these programs are very solid at the, what are often considered the Olympic sports, the softballs, the baseballs, the rowings, et cetera, et cetera. Stanford is, is premier them. They're elite. They would be the best athletic program in the WCC outside of men's basketball in virtually every other sport. Like they're seriously that good. So in terms of why this would be appealing for the WCC, to be clear, it's obvious. It's obvious. I think most people will look at it from a men's basketball perspective and be like, well, you know, Stanford and Cal aren't better than Gonzaga. They're aren't better than St. Mary's, but Cal is probably not better than Santa Clara, San Francisco, LMU, maybe Portland. Like it goes down and down the list. Cal's not good. Uh, and they got some work to do. I think they're going to rebound. Stanford's probably Higher than the middle of the pack from a men's basketball perspective. But again, they've still had their issues. But this would be a huge win for the WCC if they were to add Stanford and Cal. Not including Oregon State, Washington State. Of course, in this theoretical example, they could be part of that conversation as well. But right now, the status update on those programs is they're kind of stuck. The Big Ten stopped at 18 by design. The Big Ten added USC, UCLA, they added Oregon and Washington, they stopped at 18 instead of getting up to 20 because they are hoping, holding out for something to happen in the ACC that could cause Florida State or Clemson to become available. If the Big Ten could add those programs over the SEC, that would be a huge win for them. That's, at least in my opinion, in the opinion of many who are tracking this kind of conference realignment saga, is that that's why the Big Ten hasn't yet added Cal and Stanford. Big 12 doesn't seem super interested in adding any more from the Pac-12 out of the four schools that are remaining. They have had conversations with those four schools. They've had conversations with Gonzaga and UConn and San Diego State. But right now, it feels like the Big 12 might be waiting it out a little bit, at least not in a big hurry to add any of those programs. The big update for Stanford and Cal in particular is the ACC. Of course, ACC adding Stanford and Cal sounds ludicrous when you say it out loud and you look at a map of where those two schools are located and where the rest of the schools in the ACC are located. But this is something the ACC is legitimately vetting. They are looking out for it. They are also considering adding SMU to get into that Dallas, Texas market. If Stanford and Cal can get into the ACC, they're going to do it. They're going to jump at that opportunity, and they should jump at that opportunity. And I think the ACC should jump at the opportunity too. I think this is probably the best case outcome for the ACC, which are really trying to keep up right now with what's going on in the Big 10, Big 12 and the SEC and Stanford and Cal who just need a dang home. They just need somewhere to be. So to me, the ACC feels like the most logical solution, but again, travel concerns would be through the roof, whether Stanford and Cal would get a full cut of the media deal whether ESPN wants to start paying Stanford and Cal as well. Like there's a lot of complications that still go into whether that could happen. So let's assume it doesn't. And Stanford and Cal are still looking for a new home. Could the WCC get involved? To be perfectly honest, I don't see Stanford going for this. I don't see Stanford going for this at all. Stanford has a really high academic reputation that they are very proud to uphold. They view themselves justifiably as one of the biggest, most successful academic research institutions in the country, and they want to be affiliated with schools similar to them. Again, presidents vote on conference realignment. So the people making the decisions are the people who are in charge of the universities. It's not athletic departments. It's not conference commissioners, it's presidents. And the PAC-12's unwillingness to allow New members into their conference that didn't fit their high academic standards is kind of the reason they're in this mess in the first place. They refused to accept BYU when it was clear that BYU deserved to be at a power five level. That's why Utah had to beg to get accepted into the same conference as BYU had already been accepted into. That is the kind of mess that the PAC 12 got themselves into. PAC 12 never seriously considered boise state barely considered san diego state until they absolutely had to and i'm not putting all of this on stanford for the record it's not all stanford's fault or it wasn't all stanford's decisions but stanford had a big part of it and i don't see stanford aligning themselves even non-football school programs with small religious institutions like the schools in the wcc and it's okay to be offended by that i'm not saying that's my opinion i'm telling you that's stanford's and my belief is that Stanford is not going to align themselves with the WCC unless they absolutely had to. Could it get to a point where they absolutely have to? I suppose. I suppose that's plausible. I think it's it's definitely not out of the question that Stanford may eventually have to go independent in football. Which would, Stanford and Cal are kind of a package deal. I'm using Stanford because they are more known as the rigorous academic institution, but this is kind of it, this kind of a package deal situation here. I don't see either of them wanting the WCC, but I could see them going independent in football if they absolutely had to, and then trying to figure out what to do with the rest of their sports because the Mountain West is not much more appealing to them. It's bigger schools. Fresno State, UNLV, Boise State, Colorado State are bigger institutions than Santa Clara, San Francisco, LMU, et cetera, and the WCC, but I don't know if that necessarily changes the equation for them. For me, the most likely outcome that I think we're going to see here is that Stanford and Cal are going to go to the ACC, Oregon State and Washington State are going to go to the Mountain West, and the Mountain West is just going to absorb them while keeping the rest of their member institutions intact. That is my best guess, 4.30 on Tuesday, August 8th, as to what is going to happen. In that situation, the WCC is kind of SOL. There's not much that they can do. If Gonzaga sticks around, they're just in the exact same spot they were before, down BYU and looking for more member institutions to add. If they can't poach from the Mountain West and there's nobody leaving the Mountain West to go to the WCC, that is not happening. Then they could try the AAC or the A-10. I, think, I don't think any of those conferences are eager to have anybody leave unless they are going to a traditional power five conference which the wcc is not so more than likely the wcc's options to improve their conference come out of the whack grand canyon the school that continually gets brought up in these conversations seattle u the school that i continually bring up in these conversations perhaps there are other schools they could look at as well they could try to look for some big west schools that maybe would be willing to to house their football somewhere else they could look to some maybe even Conference USA schools if they really wanted to, Sunbelt. I don't know. There are some other options they could explore, Big Sky even, but the football element makes it a little bit more difficult for them. But I don't see a very likely reality where Stanford or Cal are willing to put any of their school or any of their programs in the WCC, even though it would be a pretty darn cool uh, for the WCC to land them. Well, two excellent guards with WCC ties. It's WCC Wednesday, folks, so we are all about the West Coast Conference today. Two excellent guards with WCC ties became available in the never-ending transfer portal saga. Could either of these players be targets for Gonzaga? We're going to discuss after a word from today's sponsor, Bird Dogs. Folks, Bird Dog shorts and pants, they make you look good. The Bird Dog Stretch Khaki Shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a more truly sculpted look. Bird Dog Shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. They fit better than regular shorts and are made that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so that you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird dogs also uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. so go to birddogs.com LockedOnCollege or enter promo code lockdown college for a free white tech hat with your order that's birddogs.com lockdown college or promo code lockdown college for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you. Folks, want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners on YouTube. Very much appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen or watch the show. We got more coming your way on Friday. We're talking Big East. We haven't talked about the Big East yet, but in all of this conference realignment, could the Big East try to make a big move and add somebody like Gonzaga from the West Coast? We'll talk about that on Friday's episode of Locked On Zags, but for now, we're going to go back. To the transfer portal, folks. When I started doing transfer portal episodes in April, I did not think that I would still be doing them here in the second week of August, but here we are. The portal is still active. The Zags still got two open scholarships on the roster, and we're going to discuss a pair of guards out of the WCC that the Zags could pursue, starting with six foot two point guard Mike Meadows. Mike Meadows out of Hollywood, California. Those of you who are like, hey, that name sounds familiar, that's because he spent the last two years. At the University of Portland under Coach Shante Leggins. In fact, he spent the last four years of his college basketball career playing for Coach Shante Leggins. He spent his first two years at Eastern Washington. Basically, didn't play as a true freshman uh, in the 2021, excuse me, in the 2020 season, which was his sophomore year. He played 30 minutes per game, 10 and a half points, two and a half assists, shot 37% from deep. That was enough for him to get the invite to follow Leggins from the eastern Washington Cheney area over to Portland, Oregon, where he started as the head coach of the Pilots. Meadows has been a huge part of Shante's first two seasons on the bluff. Uh, he's played 33 minutes per game, 10.6 points, three boards, 2.7 assists, 34% from three in those two years combined. His senior season was a career high 11 points per game and about 37% from three. During the offseason, he hit the transfer portal, said, I'm going to look for a new team and a new coach to play for in my final year of college eligibility. And to be honest, he's had a hard time making up his mind. He started by committing to LMU to play for Stan Johnson, staying in the WCC, then left LMU, re-entered the portal and committed to Cal to join the Golden Bears and new coach Mark Madsen over there. And now very recently, he has once again re-entered the transfer portal and is leaving Cal He is a grad transfer. He has one year of eligibility left. I know some people are hearing that he's leaving Cal and think it has something to do with the conference realignment. And to be clear, it might. I'm not going to say it doesn't. But Meadows is only going to play one more year of college basketball. And that year for Cal, they're still going to be in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is still going to be the same schools. Nothing that happened in the last two weeks impacts that. So probably just coincidental timing. Uh, No list for Meadows as of right now. Again, he just re-entered the portal. Makes you wonder when players enter the portal this late, if there is some meddling going on, if there are some teams perhaps reaching out to them to try to get them uh, to leave and come to their schools. Uh, Tristan Freeman, a friend of the podcast, former guest host, or excuse me, uh, lead writer, managing editor for Busting Brackets. He wrote an article describing a few programs he thinks Meadows might be a good fit for. He included Gonzaga on that list, as well as Pitt, St. Louis, and UNLV. And uh, the other player that we're going to talk about here is Keith Glover. Glover is a 5 foot 11 guard from Knoxville. Like I mentioned, both players have connections to the WCC. Glover uh, was initially committed to BYU this offseason very recently. As uh, fact, as I'm recording this right now, I'm not sure it's 100% finalized, but there was a report two days ago that Glover is planning to enter the transfer portal and that BYU is planning to move on without him on the roster. So it sounds like Glover is going to be available, even if he's not technically in the portal as of this recording. Uh, Glover spent the first two years of his college career at Florida in the SEC. Didn't play much. He played 51 games for the Gators, averaged about 11 minutes, three and a half points, uh, was an efficient shooter from two, about 51%, only 25% from three. Then he transferred to Samford, Samford S-A-M. We've been talking about Stanford a lot in this show, but this is a different school. In the Southern Conference, uh, he absolutely blossomed into a star while at Samford. In the 21-22 season, he averaged 19 points per game, four and a half assists, about three boards, shot 52% from two and 31% from deep. Senior season rolled around. Only played 19 games as a senior due to some injuries. His minutes dropped as well. He's about 31 minutes per game as a junior. Only about 24 and a half minutes per game as a senior. Still averaged 15 points per game, two assists, two and a half boards. Shot 51% again on twos. And this time, and this is the reason I brought up those three-point percentages, is because as a senior, he shot 38%. So in two years at Florida, he was 25%. His first year at Samford, he was 31%. And then this last year, he was just under 38%. Again, smaller sample size of games, so that is a factor there as well. But he gets in the transfer portal, gets a lot of interest from high major programs, ends up committing to go play for Mark Pope and BYU, and then joins the portal again. Similar to Meadows, he's a graduate transfer. Anybody entering the portal at this point is a grad transfer. He's got one year of eligibility left. Right now, we don't have a list of programs interested, although you can probably put many of the same programs that that could, in theory, show interest in uh, Mike Meadows on that same list. I think uh, beyond that, Michigan, West Virginia, New Mexico State are programs that seem to be fairly active and looking for more players to add via the transfer portal, so I would include them on that list as well. So for either of these guys, um, the main role that they would have at Gonzaga, fairly obvious. We have been talking about transfer portal additions for Mark Few's team for the last month and really... They have been centered around guards. Gonzaga has Ryan Nampard to run the one. They have Nolan Hickman, who's going to play an off-ball role at the two. They have incoming freshman Dusty Stromer, who's six foot six, so he could kind of play a two-three hybrid, but it's unclear exactly how many minutes Gonzaga wants to allocate to him in his first season, and they don't really have a fourth guard. Now they have Steel Venters transfer from Eastern Washington, six foot seven, can definitely play the two if they need him to, but that would require them to have somebody else playing the three, which could be June Sakio if they feel that he is ready to take over a big role. Uh, it could be Marcus Adams Jr. if they feel he's ready to take on a role. More than likely, Venters plays a lot of his minutes at the three, which is part of the reason Gonzaga is looking for another guard to soak up some minutes coming off the bench, a la Malachi Smith last year. Now, Gonzaga's been mostly in the market for bigger guards. Paul Mulcahy was a player they targeted uh, out of Rutgers. He, of course, committed to Washington. He's 6'6". Uh, There's a handful of other guards that they've been looking at who are more in the 6'4", 6'5", range. That would make me lean a little bit towards Mike Meadows, who is 6'2", compared to Keith Glover, who is 5'11". Nemhard and Hickman are both 6'2", or shorter. So adding another guard below that is just kind of limiting yourself a little bit in terms of not having the size to compete with some of the guards that they're going to end up facing. But for Gonzaga, if they feel like Glover's a better player, three inches in height is not going to be a huge determining factor. It's just something that gives Meadows a bit of an advantage. And I think going forward really for Gonzaga, it's it's, it's hard to not see the appeal really of either of these players, but particularly of Meadows. Six to 37% familiar with every single opponent in the WCC has spent the last two years there. It feels like a really obvious fit to the point where it's like you start to wonder, did Gonzaga contact Mike Meadows? Like not necessarily any Illegal tampering or anything like that. But if you're Mike Meadows, you spent two years playing in the middle of the WCC and you get a chance to play your final season for the premier program in the conference, make the NCAA tournament something he has not done in his career, definitely some appeal there. So Something to keep an eye on Gonzaga has not directly been connected to either of these two players yet. Of course, Glover may not even be in the portal yet and Meadows very recently joined. So it'll be interesting to see if Gonzaga does get involved for either of these guys, but uh, something to keep an eye on is I think they could both be very logical additions for Mark Few's team. Should they end up going out and pursuing them? We're going to close out the show today with a passionate argument from gimme Timmy podcast host Noah Bono about drew Timmy's lack of attention from NBA scouts. All of that coming up after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. Football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every single time they win during the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl. If you're picking the Kansas City Chiefs, maybe you're going Cincinnati Bengals with Joe Burrow, although he's hurt right now, so that's a bit of a question mark. Maybe you love the Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert. Either way, you will get bonus bets for every single victory that team gets during the regular season. You can use those bonus bets on spreads, on player props, on over-unders, and more. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on now and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That is fanduel.com slash locked on. Folks, thanks again for making Locked On Zags Lord First Listen every day. We're closing out the show today. Talking to Noah Bono. He joined me on Tuesday's episode of the Locked On College Basketball podcast. I also shared some of his audio clips on Tuesday's episode of Locked On Zags, so you can hear him in multiple different spots. But today we're going to close up the show hearing his thoughts on Drew Timmy's lack of NBA attention. Check it out. Noah, last question I want to ask you here before I let you go. Um, Drew Timmy is no longer in college. Of course, he made it very clear that four years was good for him. And I respect that he didn't, I love that he dragged it out the first year, but it was kind of this year. He was like, Nope, we're four years is done. We're not, there's no mystery. I'm, I'm going to play professional basketball. Uh, we see him go undrafted. We see him sign with the Milwaukee bucks. Uh, we see him not get a lot of playing time in summer league, less than I certainly would have thought. Um, I was, uh, will admit to being frustrated to seeing a whole heck of a lot of taco fall and a lot less of Drew Timmy for the Milwaukee bucks. And, um, I don't think that him going undrafted was necessarily a shock in the sense that he wasn't on a ton of mock drafts because of his age. And because of, I mean, the the, the simple fact that his game doesn't translate to the modern NBA, the way that it would have translated to the NBA in the nineties or eighties. And we kind of knew that. And he's far from alone in this. Uh, Oscar Chibwe goes undrafted. Zach Eadie comes back to school because he's not projected to go drafted. Like it's, it's a theme in college basketball, but, You've seen Drew more than almost anybody. You and I have seen a whole bunch of him, and, and it's frustrating to me to not see him get the opportunities that I think he deserves and, and the skill sets that I think he possesses that could make him a valuable NBA player. Just hadn't really gotten a chance to show them. I'm curious, you know, having spent a lot of time with him, where you think uh, uh, he should have ended up and maybe uh, frustrations with where he's at right now.
1: Oh, man. I'm, I'm glad you asked me, Andy, because this <laughs> has been one of the single most maddening issues of my summer. Yeah, is like knowing that he wasn't going to get drafted because he wasn't on any mock drafts, right. and then questioning and arguing like he does he deserves a nod at the very least yeah. in the latest round ra- in the later part mm-hmm. of the second round, like at yeah. the very least because of his resume alone, yeah. like. And to, you know, I know a lot of people keep throwing around like, "Oh well, Edie went back, and mm-hmm. Sheibway didn't get drafted, and Sonogo didn't get drafted," mm-hmm. and it's like, okay. Well, neither of them are as good as Drew. And neither of them are as offensively talented as Drew. And it's like neither of them are as proven as Drew. So I don't even put them in the same category. I don't. And that's no disrespect to them. I just think that Drew is on a tier above the rest of these guys. And to do what he did in college, I don't even remember what the win total was. It was over 115. He had the national championship, the final four appearance, the, the two elite eight or the sweet 16, the elite eight. Like he did it all. And he's yeah. the leading scorer in Gonzaga. He, he proved night in and night out that he is a winner. And yeah. I think that in my experience of like seeing these guys that are like, maybe not your prototypical NBA players, mm-hmm. like Frank Kaminsky, he still got a nod at the third, as I think he was the 13th overall pick. Yeah. And sure, Frank shot at a little bit more, a lot more in college mm-hmm. than Drew did. No question about it. Mm-hmm. But I think on the whole scope of it, like you use those two as an example. Cause I think what people are clinging to is like, Oh, the slow white boy, he ain't, he ain't good enough. And it's like, okay, cool. That's a, you know, Maybe a fair criticism to a certain extent, mm-hmm. but you can't negate everything else he does. Like if Drew is a bad passer, which he's not, and if Drew had a bad IQ, which he doesn't, mm-hmm. I probably would feel like less strongly about how much he deserves a chance. But I just think that he's such a plug and play guy with his mm-hmm. iQ, with his willingness to pass, to lead, to take charges, put his body on the line, use his body, like doesn't yeah. care about getting hurt, doesn't care about playing through injury. like mm-hmm. he's as much of a blue collar guy. That's just gonna get down, get dirty. Mm-hmm. Doesn't give a shit. Do what yeah. you ask him to do. And I just like, and I've been saying this to everybody who asked me because mm-hmm. everybody's like anybody who like watches it or that I trick. I'm around basketball all day, and if people mm-hmm. knew that I was doing the podcast, they're like, oh, like they like think it's funny. Like, oh, your boy's not gonna get drafted, and I'm like. Hey man, fuck you. Like, he should get drafted. Like, you don't know what you're talking. It's one of those, yeah. like, hate things. Like, oh, he's 22. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about him being 22 is, like, he only did four traditional years. He didn't right. do five. He did four. Didn't Grayson Allen do four years at Duke? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Cause he's a little bit more athletic and he showed that he could, well, he's a lot more athletic and he showed mm-hmm. that he could shoot the three consistently. Mm-hmm. Cool. He gets a nod and he's a solid role player in the NBA. Yeah. But, like, mm-hmm. Look at, the, look at the circumstances around Drew. He wasn't asked to shoot any three-pointers. It was not part of his role. Yep. He didn't need to. Like, he really didn't even need to. Why settle outside when he could just be in the paint, yep. get an easier look, distribute out of the post? Like, mm-hmm. he could do all of those things, and I think that that obviously hindered his draft stock. And that's mm-hmm. just a bummer to me because, like I said, with that type of resume, you at the very least deserve, I mean, even at bare minimum, a two-way.
0: Yeah, a like to get a the lead.
1: exhibit ten, like I'm, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to see a tweet about Drew's name, and he's going to have an offer mm-hmm. with some team. Where's he going to land? And I expected a two way, and there's a ton mm-hmm. of guys. Like I'm pretty sure Sonogo mm-hmm. or Shibway with the Pacers got a two way. Yeah, Sunogo so did two.
0: I think I'm not 100. percent
1: And like Marquise Noel got a two way with the Raptors, and it's yeah. like, okay, there's a you know, all these guys deserved that, but why of mm-hmm. all people, yeah. Drew Timmy doesn't, mm-hmm. and, and he only gets an exhibit ten. And and the other part of it, like you said about the summer league. I mean, you couldn't ask for a worse pairing to be paired with Taco Fall. There's no worse player to be on the floor with Drew Timmy at the exact same time than Taco Fall. And that's no knock against Taco. It's just we well, suck all the space out of the court. I mean, there's no room. Brutal. There's no room. Mm-hmm. And the Bucks had 21 guys on their summer league roster, man. It wasn't like some like, yeah, we're going to get you, you know, 30 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. I, I forget who they were playing, and I don't mean to go on this long rant, but you can tell it bothers me. They were playing somebody. It was a Saturday night, I believe. And I wish I remember the team name. They were down like 14, 15, headed into the second quarter. They put Drew in, and I think he has like four quick points. He took a charge. He had like two rebounds, two tap-out offensive rebounds, two assists. And all of a sudden, it was just like a six- or seven-point game. I think it was like a five-point game headed like late into the second quarter. And they took him out. They gave him a breather. But the whole broadcast for like those six minutes that he was in the game all of a sudden turned into the Drew Timmy show. They got the graphics of what he did in college. Shanning Fry and the play-by-play guy were just, you know, mm-hmm. all over Drew. And I'm like, is it not that clear to any like everybody else that the imprint on the game is – it's that easy for him. Like mm-hmm. he's that impactful of a player because it's easy. Like the game is truly easy for him. And all the guys that they keep picking over him this is the last thing I'll say. Mm-hmm. All the guys that they keep drafting over him because of their athletic potential, mm-hmm. he has – he has put in the in the in the cup mm-hmm. he's 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 beat him he's, yeah. he's beat him he showed like oh well i mean yeah cool he's seven foot and athletic with a long wingspan but like mm-hmm. i'm gonna score on him too i'm not right. gonna have any problems like yeah sure maybe he'll have some struggles on the defensive end but like <laughs> what guy in the nba doesn't struggle on the defensive right. end even the best defenders struggle to a certain extent like that's why i think he just deserves a chance And if he truly fails, fine. At least he got a chance based on what he accomplished for the last four years. He ain't 24 years old where it's like, we ain't going to get anything out of it. No, he's 22. He's fresh legs. He's experienced. He's ready to work. And, you know, I just think it's unfortunate. Like, I don't think that that's like a fair deck. Not that everything's fair, but I don't think it's a fair deck of cards to be given after accomplishing what he's accomplished. 100%
0: 100% with you on all of that. I think the, the fact that people say, well, how is he going to guard Nikola Jokic? If anybody could guard Nikola Jokic, he wouldn't have uh, the hardware that he has. Like, that's a completely unfair thing to to say. And also, Drew hung 25 on Evan Mobley and I, I, in the 2021 <laughs> NCAA tournament. Evan yeah, Mobley is mean. like a Defensive Player of the Year candidate in the NBA yeah. already, and he's super young. Like, does one game mean that Drew would consistently hang 25 on NBA defenders? No, but he did it like you have definitive proof that he's done it like he's proven he can score on nba caliber defensive players and good nba defensive players it's just shocking to me that that uh he doesn't get more than kind of a sniff and even when if he played poorly for the bucks like you said if he played bad in the in the play, playing time he got maybe you could understand why his playing time might diminish uh, but he didn't he didn't, know he didn't play
1: bad. but what's funny about like if his playing if the time he had it, it you know if it was bad which it wasn't yeah bad because he didn't even have enough minutes to really decide if he was good or bad outside of that little six minute stretch that I watched the one day Mm -hmm. but like I just think it's truly crazy that like he wasn't even awarded the time in the summer league to like really put like show like normal like I I can't put it into words because normally I I just can't remember the last time I've seen a guy as accomplished as him that did as much as he did for such a historic program Mm -hmm. and a program that let's not sugarcoat it Mm -hmm. like literally breeds NBA players, especially, especially big men. Yeah. And it's like, I I can't remember the last time a guy as accomplished as him Mm -hmm. had such little reward headed into his NBA journey and so much more stacked against him where it's like, Mm -hmm. wait, you might really not get a chance. Like you might actually only start or maybe not even start on the G league team. Like I think Mm -hmm. that the bucks had like one more two way to give away. And I forget the guy's name that they were saying was going to inevitably get it. And it's like, well, that's, you know, that's a real bummer because yeah. like, I don't, I, I keep going back to the, it's not fair, but mm-hmm. like truly I want to know, and maybe I have to do more research. Who's the last guy as successful as he has been in college basketball that was snubbed this quickly into his NBA journey yeah. with like, Hey man, here's your minimal opportunity. Hey, here's like your mm-hmm. two minutes. Let's see what you can do. And yeah. I remember talking to Drew, I, I was on FaceTime with him a couple of days after that game mm-hmm. and he got back in in the fourth quarter. He didn't. He he got out of the two minute mark of the second quarter. Sat mm-hmm. sat for halftime. Sat for the entire third. Gets back in the game like the eight minute mark of the fourth quarter. And I think he had a, a moving screen and a mm-hmm. turnover with the ball. Mm-hmm. So he had two turnovers, and after the second one, they yanked him. He was in the game for like seventy five seconds. Jeez. And I mean, I just said to him, I was like, "Well, there's no way your legs were feeling good. Like mm-hmm. you needed you needed at least three more minutes to run up and down to like get back into the flow of the yeah, game." And he was like, "Oh yeah, I mean." absolutely and so it's just like to to, to stack the deck mm-hmm. that much against him I, I i think if there's someone that can figure out a way to figure it out mm-hmm. i think it'll be him and yeah. i'm not even sitting here advocating like oh drew timmy deserves a chance to be an nba all-star you got to give mm-hmm. him all the no like he just deserves, deserves a chance to be like on the team yeah. like because he'll do the rest of, If you put him on a team like i don't have any doubt that he's going to figure out a way to like oh you know what It's hard not to play this guy. So I think just giving him that chance and letting him like run with the opportunity, he just needs the opportunity and I'll be happy if he just gets the opportunity. If he fails, Mm -hmm. he fails. But like, I can't believe you have to argue this much that he just deserves a chance.
0: Yeah. All right, folks, that is going to do it for us today. Thank you so much to Noah. Thank you so much to all of you for listening to the show. Very much appreciated. We're coming back with you on Friday, talking Big East hoops, talking more about Gonzaga Conference Realignment. We'll keep you updated on the NBA Zags and, of course, the Transfer Portal as well as that is a never-ending saga in college athletics these days. Once again, thank you so much for making Locked on Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day. Looking forward to chatting with you all again soon. But for now, as always, go Zags.